Good morning, everybody. It's good to be here and speaking on the One Another series. My one for today is encourage one another from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11, which says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Now, a number of years ago, after losing our first son, Caleb, who lived for 59 minutes, I wrote my mother a card. And I included in this card my bronze medallion that I received at university for a life-saving course. I wrote a lot of words on this card, but I finished on these words. It said, I want you to have this medal I received. It's my bronze medallion for life-saving that I received in December 96. I give it to you because you deserve the medal for life-saving. Raising a son in love and affirmation has rescued me from insecurity, fears, and self-destruction. Discipling your children is the best gift you can give them and saves them from many evils. Thank you, Mum, and well done. Love your son, Aaron. I wrote those over 19 years ago, and I mean every word to this day. Thank you, Mum. I want to ask is encouragement powerful? Well, here was my mum's response to that card. I asked her 19 years later, do you remember that card? She remembered it. She knew where it was. She knew what drawer it was in. And this is what she said. It made me think I maybe did better than I thought as a mum. I felt so loved and valued. The encouragement went very deep. I would cry every time I read it, something I would treasure forever. Hence, I was able to go straight to it when asked. Encourage one another. Encouragement is tremendously powerful, and words can go on, have an effect many years after they were spoken or written. And we're in a wonderful One Another series. My message, as you know, is encourage one another. And there's many ways to encourage one another from acts of kindness, visiting someone in need, giving of gifts, inviting others to your house for a meal. But I want to focus today on the use of our words specifically to follow God's instruction to encourage one another. Words have incredible power. God spoke and the world was created. And the power of life and death is in the tongue. Our tongues and words have incredible power to do great good or great damage. But today I want to focus on encouraging one another using carefully chosen words. And this includes other Christians, but also others that you come into contact on a daily basis from people you bump into at the checkout people you bump into when you're walking the dog, to work colleagues, to people you care for or use your services or business every single day. What an opportunity moments provide. What incredible power we carry. What incredible potential there is so many times per day. Larry Crabb, in his book, Encouragement, says, a well-timed word has the power to urge a, run a runner to finish the race, to rekindle hope when despair has set in, 
to spark a bit of warmth in an otherwise cold life, to trigger healthful self-evaluation in people who don't think much about their shortcomings, to renew confidence when problems have the upper hand. Wow, how powerful are our words. All these notes were emailed to you at 9 a.m. this morning if you're on our email list, and if you're not, just speak to Colleen in the foyer at some point, and she'll get you on the email list. You know, when I was younger, I played in a football team in Verkeith, and then I went to Cowdenbeath. And um, I remember playing in a cup final. I remember we were getting beat 1-0 at half time. My dad says when he recalls the, the game, that I was being very polite. And I was passing the ball every time I got it. And it was my ongoing issue of lack of confidence. And I remember halfway through the second half getting beat 1-0. My dad, I was at the sidelines, and my dad, who watched every game, he used to rush from church to watch every game, he looked at me and said, Aaron, you're the fittest and fastest person on this park. Stop passing the ball. He knew I lacked confidence. And as a result, I was passing the ball because I was afraid to make a mistake and make a fool of myself. But he saw it. He knew my potential. He knew my ability. And he was going to do what God does, which he calls into existence that which does not exist through words. He calls something, sees potential. You're, you're Peter, on this rock I will build my church. I'm going to call into existence something which doesn't exist. You're the fastest, fittest person on the pitch. Next time you get that ball, you beat every single man, you hit the byline, and you cross it and stop that messing around, passing it. And I can remember being a bit annoyed. Like, who does he think he is embarrassing me like that in front of everybody else? I was embarrassed. And it got my adrenaline pumping and a bit of uh, determination. Like, okay, I'm going to do it. And in his memory of recalling this situation, I remember, I can still physically remember getting the ball and I was so pumped up and I literally did exactly what my dad told me to do. I ran as fast as I can. I shimmied round two to three players. I hit the byline. I didn't have strong legs because they were small and thin, but I, with everything within me, I just wellied it towards the goal. My friend, I think it was Derek Reed, on the back row there, jumped up hit the back of the net, 1-0. My dad said in recollecting the memory that I did it twice, did exactly the same thing. Again, we won 2-1, we drank champagne. <laughs> and uh, it was just, as one of my uh, favorite stories to tell, and um, one of uh, just uh, a great illustration of the power of words, the power of encouragement. to call out, to call into existence, to see potential, to see the gold, to see the good, to see the Imago Dei, and others draw it out. And Christian encouragement involves, you know, anybody can encourage. You look beautiful today. I love your necklace. You're looking great. You're so pretty. You look so pretty today. You look awesome. You've been working out at the gym. What defines Christian encouragement just from general encouragement? Both are important, both are uh, uh, powerful, and both are needed. But Christian encouragement goes, has a different focus or a different goal or objective. It involves carefully chosen words which aim to influence another to growing 
in their faith and becoming more like Jesus. And that's what I want to call us to. Uh, in the verse in Thessalonians, it says, just as you're doing. So there's lots of encouragement. And uh, there's lots of great people doing lots of great encouragement. But I want to spur us on to grow in the gift of encouragement. Grow in the skill and the confidence and the practice of encouragement to help people grow in their faith and become more like Jesus. That's our goal. The goal to spur one another on in our faith. Um, but we can also encourage those with no faith to, be, to grow more into their identity, their true identity, to grow into the Imago Dei, the image of God that they were created in, that they're called back to, the beauty, character, and nature of God that God created them in, that they can grow in. Now, Larry Crabb says in his book, Encouragement, that the word for encouragement literally means to stir up, to provoke, to incite people in a given direction. My dad's words was to provoke me to the direction of the goal, the byline, to cross the ball. But they have an effect, and verbal encouragement includes the idea of one person joining someone else on a journey and speaking words that encourage the traveler to keep pressing on despite obstacles and fatigue. If there's ever a need for encouragement, it's today. Because there's so many obstacles, there's so many fatigued, so many want to give up. If ever there was a need for encouragers, lights, the church is today. A simple word he goes on, a simply worded definition of encouragement might be this. Encouragement is a kind of expression that helps someone want to be a better Christian. That's what I want to help us, me, myself, us all, to help grow in that, to help people grow spiritually, grow to become a better Christian even when life is rough. That's the goal. That's the objective. Let's keep that in mind when we think about encouragement. Now, our words are incredibly powerful, and Proverbs teaches us, and all the verses of all the Proverbs are in your notes, that our tongues and words are different uh, expressions, metaphors are used to describe our words. Things like beautiful words, beautiful imagery, beautiful pictures to help her understand the type of effect that your words and tongue can have. Things like a fountain of life. Love that. Choice silver. Valuable. They bring healing. Wow, that's phenomenal when you think words can bring healing. An audible echo and vibration of sound waves into the ear of someone else can bring a physical reaction in their body that leads to healing. Wow, <laughs> that's phenomenal. Soothing, that's a beautiful word when you think about that. Soothing, think about a troubled child that needs soothed. A tree of life and the power of life. But when you read the other half of these proverbs, we can also see that our tongues and words can be of little value, reckless, they can pierce like swords, be perverse, crush the spirit, and bring death. The power of life and death is in the tongue. So there's incredible power in carefully chosen words to encourage one another. 
They're incredibly valuable, a fountain that brings life, healing and soothing to souls which are afraid, hurting, discouraged. There's power in encouraging words to stir up, to provoke, to incite people in a direction towards Jesus to become, to help them grow, to become more like him. I love Larry Crabb's example. And this is what he says from his book, Encouragement. A short time later, our church celebrated the Lord's Supper in a Sunday morning worship service. And it was customary in our congregation to encourage young men to enter into the privilege of worship by standing and praying aloud. And that particular Sunday, I sensed the pressure of the saints, not, I fear, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I responded by unsteadily leaving my chair for the first time with the intention of praying. And filled less with worship than with nervousness, I found my theology becoming confused to the point of heresy. I remember thanking the Father for hanging on the cross and praising Christ for triumphantly bringing the Spirit from the grave. And stuttering throughout, I finally thought of the word amen, perhaps the first evidence of the Spirit's leading, and said it and sat down. And I recall staring at the floor, too embarrassed to look around and solemnly vowing never to pray or speak aloud in the front of a group again. Two strikes were enough. When his service was over, I darted toward the door, not wishing to encounter an elder who might feel obliged to correct my twisted theology. But I was not quick enough, and an older Christian man named Jim Dunbar intercepted me, put his arm on my shoulder, and cleared his throat to speak. I remember thinking to myself, here it comes. Oh, well, just endure it and get to the car. I then listened to this godly gentleman speak words that I can repeat verbatim today, more than 20 years later. Larry, he said, there's one thing I want you to know. Whatever you do for the Lord, I'm behind you 1,000%. Then he walked away. And even as I write these words, my eyes fill with tears. I've yet to tell that story to an audience without at least mildly choking the words were life words. The power of encouragement, the power of grace in the moment. Ephesians 4:29. Do not let any unwholesome talk uh, come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You've also got the Passion Translation there. Let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to them. That's what Jim Dunbar did to Larry Crabb 20 years later. He was still touched emotionally. And it seems incredibly simple, yet it's incredibly powerful and needed for unity and healthy relationships. The the verse says that every word out our mouth should be used to encourage one another, build others up, and benefit those who listen. And the word only is significant. Only let words out of your mouth which build others up. If it doesn't help build others up, it's not going to benefit those who listen, and it's unwholesome 
talk. We want wholesome talk. So ask and think before you speak. Number one, is what I'm about to say helpful? Two, does what I'm about to say build up or tear down? And thirdly, will my words benefit the listener or be a hindrance? This is where the rubber hits the road of Christian maturity. One who has learned to tame the tongue, which is described in James as a tiny rudder which steers a whole massive ship. Now, according to their needs is important. It says in that verse, according to their needs. A word should be carefully chosen to build them up according to their needs. We need to understand first and foremost, what their needs are. We need to know what their fears are, their defenses are, and we must be involved enough in them, in their life, to know this. Then we can choose the words wisely that bring life, build them up, and benefit them. We share with them not only our words, but our lives, and also God's presence, because when we're with them and connect with them, where two or three are gathered, what? Where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. That's encouraging one another. That's valuing others above ourselves. That's looking out for the interests of others above our own. And how should we encourage? Well, 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 to 12 says, the Passion Translation, and you know how affectionately we treated each one of you. Men, we're called to be affectionate. <laughs> a man said to me to, this week, men are not supposed to cry, are they? I says, well, that's the biggest lie, because we need to cry. We need to let it out. If you don't let it out in tears, you'll let it out in anger. You'll let it out in frustration. You'll let it out one way or another. You'll let it out with hitting the bottle. But one way or another, you'll let it out. Crying actually is probably a lot more healthy release of emotion. Affectionately, we treated each one of you. How should we encourage? Like a loving father cares for his own children. We comforted and encouraged you and challenged you to adopt a lifestyle worthy of God who invites you into his kingdom and glory. When I wake up my children, they're very sleepy, but I want them to know as soon as they wake up, before they go out on the day, how loved, how special, how wonderful, how beautiful they are. And I whisper into their ears, I love you. You're wonderful. You're special. You're so amazing. Daddy loves you so much. I still do it <laughs> as I wake them up. And Levi sometimes jumps into our bed, and I'll put my arm around him and say, son, you're so handsome. You're the best superhero there ever is. I love you, son. He just goes, uh-huh. Uh, and then occasionally he just puts his arms over and goes, all right, that's enough, Dad. That's enough. That's enough. Settle down. I got it. I got it. I got it. You know, I'm not a perfect dad. I make mistakes. I fail. I let them down. I lose my temper. I get frustrated, I get impatient, but you know what? I love my children, and the Father's love is perfect. And like a loving father, a perfect father cares for his own children. That's how we are to encourage one another, affectionately, with gentleness, 
patience, love, and an understanding of their fears and weakness. That's passionately desiring, encouraging, and challenging them to make healthy choices about their lifestyle that is not worldly, but worthy of God. It's seeing the person's weakness, yet seeing their full potential and gold that exists within them. You can read more about encourage one another in the notes that emailed out. But our strength and encouragement comes from God. You maybe say, well, you know, I, I truly believe that an encouraged heart leads to encouraging lips. For from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's very difficult to have a discouraged, heartbroken heart and speak encouraging words. We need encouraged hearts. And you, will, you may well say, well, I don't have that. I don't get that. I don't have many people that speak encouraging words to me. And that's very often the case. Um, what I would say is that he is the God of encouragement. And he calls us to have healthy spiritual practices in our life where we are united with God. You know, let me just flick forward to that verse and draw this to a close in the next couple of minutes. Romans 15, 5 to 6, may the God of endurance and encouragement. He's the God of encouragement. My sheep hear my voice. He wants you to hear his voice of encouragement on a daily basis. He wants to strengthen you, encourage you. He's the God of comfort and encouragement so that he alone, he, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all I want. He's all I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The Lord is all I need. He's all I want that even if nobody was to speak an encouraging word to you in your life again, you can still have an encouraged heart. And an encouraged heart leads to encouraging lips. He says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. And I would even suggest it's impossible to live in harmony and have Christian unity and a Christian harmony with discouraged, broken, hurting hearts. And that's why our internal union relationship with God, and He daily wants to forgive us, cleanse us, heal us, strengthen us, encourage us, so that you can join in the river of encouragement, that His river can flow to you and through you, through you, to you. From an overflowing heart, you're going into your work, and your colleagues are tired. They're frustrated. They've got a lot of shenanigans going on in their life. But you're going to make the coffee. You're going to try and bring an encouraging word to them. You're going to express gratitude to them, even though they're getting paid, and thank them for their hard work and tell them how good they are at the job that they do, how appreciative you are for what they do for the team. <laughs> no, we're not perfect, but he wants us to join the river of his love and encouragement. 
and grow in the spiritual gift of prophecy, which speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. May we grow and earnestly desire the gift of prophecy so that we can strengthen, encourage, and comfort. And so, I could say a lot more, but I need to bring this to a close. I've got some homework for you. Number one, union with God. Take your broken heart, your discouraged heart, your heart, your pain to God. Allow Him to become your source of encouragement. Number two, start encouraging others because you will reap what you sow. Given it will come back to you, Jesus said. I've taken out of context, but I think it does apply to our words of encouragement. I invited someone to curry night. I sent them a couple of encouraging words, and they text me back, a, a, a friend, and they said some beautiful words of encouragement. Aaron, I, I struggled to get my... He said, I struggled to get the words out of my, from my head out of my mouth, but I just want to tell you how amazing you are. <sighs> you know, give, and it will come back to you. If you're an encouraging person, the actual act, when you give, you receive, Jesus taught us. You will be encouraged by the act of giving. Just give it, and it comes back to you. You'll be encouraged by encouraging others. When you connect with others, giving it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. So, your homework, very practical. You know, someone said to me recently, we don't do cards anymore, we just do texts. How many texts have you got saved that you could read from 10 years ago? I want us to go back to a wee bit of old school letters or cards. And this is just one practical application of encourage. There's many. Of course, we do it sporadically. We do it by text. We do it. But there is something intentionally when you, number one, think of a person and ask the Holy Spirit this week to give you the name or the face of a person who needs encouraged. Just ask. The Holy Spirit will show you. Then buy a nice card, and it may be a thoughtful gift. And then write in a card. Now, those who are good at encouraging have taught me various ways to encourage. And we can all grow in the gift and skill and practice of encouragement. It must come from a heart motive of love. And we must grow in that. But also in the practical. Number one, thank them. Articulate your gratitude. Highlight their strengths and write them down, the strengths that you see Tell them what they mean to you. Practice putting in words how much they mean to you, how valuable they are to you. Then speak hope and life. Everyone has a fear. Think of what fear they may possibly have right now. And then speak hope and life. Don't mention the fear. Just speak hope and life. Get a Bible verse. Get something that speaks into the fear that will bring hope and life to them. For example, you may think that they have a financial fear. An example you could write, I know these are terribly difficult days financially and difficult times. I've found that God is with me and has provided for me and has never let me down. A Bible verse I've found helpful to focus on has been this. 
And I know that God will provide for you, even in difficult days. He's faithful, and as he's not let me down, he will not let you down. I've then got pray for them. Don't say I'll pray for you and then forget. I would suggest before you write the card, you literally do spend five, ten minutes praying for them. And then you can say with conviction, I've prayed for you. I've just literally prayed for you, and I'm going to continue to do so and pray for them. But as you're praying for them, ask that God would guide you by his spirit, guide your pen, and guide the words that you write. And that he would put the thoughts. See, as you start writing, you're given the Holy Spirit opportunity. It will start to bring to your mind thoughts. And you think, oh, that was just a good thought. No, it's God communicating with your thoughts. And then lastly, spur them on. Have a vision. Let's get the band back up. Spur them on. Have a vision for the call and purpose of God that he has for them. And spur them on. Spur them on. He's the God who... Uh, brings life to dead things and speaks into existence that which does not exist. Draw out the calling and the potential of God upon their lives. Draw out through your words. Draw, encourage them. They might not see their potential. They might not see the calling of God. They might not see the gifts of God. Write it down. What I see in you, I see in you. Uh, practice. I see in you. I see in you an incredibly generous, gifted communicator. I see in you a beautiful mother's heart. I see in you. And like, oh my goodness, practice and send. Hit send. Let us stand. Let us pray. If you could just start playing, please, Tim and Ban. Thank you. Dear Father, we thank you that you are the God of encouragement thank you God you love us and care for us thank you Lord that we can come to you with our broken discouraged hearts and I pray Heavenly Father that you would draw us and call us and lead us into your presence to be encouraged and God I pray that we would join you in your river of uh, encouragement and comfort to one another. We would be known as an encouraging people to one another with our words, with our actions, in our workplaces, at the checkout, at the restaurants, in our workplaces, as employers, as managers, as nurses, as doctors, as teachers, as builders, electricians, plumbers, whatever it is, Lord, we've been encouraging people. And you would cause the skill, you would teach us the skill of words to use our tongues to bring life, to bring healing, to bring soothing, to bring comfort, to bring hope, to create miracles, to draw out into existence that which does not exist. And as this, your word, Lord, goes out and the sun, the rain and snow comes down, waters the earth and produces the purpose for which is said. So God, may we speak your words that similarly will go out like rain and snow and water the ground and cause life and new life to flourish and to grow and one another and day to day and all of the interactions that we have that new life would come. We, our mouths would be rivers of life 
that our mouths would be rivers of life, Lord. May we start in a home with our uh, spouses, with our children, and Lord, even ourselves. God, may we speak words of encouragement to ourselves. May we be kind to ourselves. May we encourage ourselves in the Lord. David strengthened himself in the Lord. May we also say, I am loved. I am accepted. I am forgiven. I am chosen. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I am incredibly gifted. I'm created in the image of God, we say hallelujah, Lord. Let our hearts be encouraged. Let us be strengthened, Lord. And let us be river of encouragement and life and light to the darkness. We ask in your mighty holy name. Encourage one another. Thank you, Vine Church. Over to you, George and Ben.